Therapy can be life-changing and wonderful, and it can also be, frankly, not all that helpful. As a therapist for over 12 years who now runs a whole team of amazing clinicians, I am far from anti-therapy, but I also became a certified coach because I didn't want to be limited in the kind of work I can do and who I can support. I'm Valerie Martin, aka Bad Bitch Therapist, and in this podcast, we're going to talk about the shit your therapist may not tell you, because real talk, not all therapists are good at their jobs, but also a lot of therapy training is rigid and outdated, and your therapist might not work in a way that actually challenges you. Without compassionate challenging, your growth will be limited. So if you're with me, let's bust out of the traditional psychotherapy box and talk about wellness and high performance in ways that will make an even bigger impact in your life. Let's fucking go. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Shit Your Therapist Won't Tell You. And if you've ever wanted to know how to close some money leaks, or you're like, I don't even know what a money leak is, or maybe you're like curious what it would be like to be from a small town in Sweden and then go on to work for the Ritz-Carlton. This is gonna be a great episode for you. Our guest, Sandra Bonnick, gets into all of that and more. But before we jump into the interview, let's talk about what I've been watching, reading, and loving lately. So my husband and I just the other night watched the movie She Came to Me. It is starring Peter Dinklage, of Game of Thrones fame, of course. Marissa Tomei, need I say more, and Anne Hathaway, this cast, you guys. Oh my gosh, this movie was such a good reminder for me that Rotten Tomatoes scores are not everything. I thought it was phenomenal, and it has some mixed reviews and ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, so like, take it with a grain of salt. Um, If you're into screwball comedies and existential and weird and, uh, I mean, I just can't even begin to describe it. You just have to watch it. And it is one that you have to rent, at least as of now. Um, Rented it for a few bucks on Amazon Prime. Worth every dollar. Absolutely. Loved it. Um, Reading. I am reading a book called These Wilds Beyond Our Fences by Bio Akomolafe. And I think the subtitle is Letters to My Daughter on Humanity's Search for Home. And there are parts of it that are like very uh, highbrow, a little bit over my head, but a lot of it is just really poetic and beautiful. And I'm highlighting entire paragraphs. It is really lovely if you're into any of the sort of eco psychology and just where are we going as humanity? Um, And then what I'm loving recently, are these little treats called Leah's Better Bites. You can get them at like Whole Foods and similar stores. They are in the freezer section usually. And they're like these little truffles. This flavor that I got is the, the, yeah, the sweet and salty dough bites that are chocolate enrobed sunflower butter cookie dough. Oh my gosh, they're so good. And they're vegan, gluten-free, free of a lot of allergens, delish. Okay, so before we get into our guest, I want to tell you guys about something I am so excited about. So if you're listening to this in December 2023, when this episode comes out, coming up, I will be leading a live five-day challenge on when, you guessed it, January 1st through 5th, 2024. 
I'm sure there will be other challenges going on I'll be competing with, but listen, I could not resist a January 1st, that is a Monday. Oh my gosh. As someone who loves the science behind fresh starts, I just, when I realized that January 1st was a Monday, which was like 10 minutes ago when I was choosing the dates for this, I was like, oh my goodness, I am so jazzed. So the challenge is high performance habits to slay in 2024 and beyond. And as some of you know, if you've listened to recent episodes, I recently got certified as a high performance coach with the High Performance Institute. And we are gonna get into some of the core habits that we'll do a little live video every day for you to have something quick to take away and implement that will immediately set you up on a more powerful trajectory going into the new year. And like I said, and beyond, these are things you can carry with you long after the challenge is over. There will of course be giveaways every day of the challenge. So sign up. And if you're listening to this way from the future and you're like bummed that you didn't get down the challenge, I will probably lead it again. But also if you're listening in time, don't wait for the next round because it could be several months and this is going to be a really really powerful time for this challenge so i say several months i have no idea it could be longer than that <laughs> so if you want to sign up for this challenge high performance habits to slay in 2024 and beyond go to bit.ly badbitchhabits that is all lowercase bit.ly badbitchhabits Okay, let me tell you more about our guest today, Sandra Bonick. And you will hear me in the first part of the interview call her Zandra. That is because it is spelled with a Z, but as you'll hear later in the interview, I learned it's pronounced Sandra, which is funny because we're in a mastermind together. And every time her name is said, it's said Sandra. I'm like, girl, you got to correct people. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> so anyway, it's Sandra. Sandra Bonick is an unstoppable force behind women's success in, on, in online entrepreneurship. With over a decade in hospitality finance, she rocked the corporate world as a senior manager in top hotels. But her passion for balance and helping others led her to dive into the world of online business. Now she's on a mission to make business growth as exciting as it is profitable. Join Sandra in this journey where she shows entrepreneurs the secrets to success while keeping life vibrant and enjoyable. So basically, she helps business owners get their shit together with their finances. And it's funny because I told her I didn't know that's what she did. We haven't overlapped in the mastermind for a long time. Um, and I recently worked with someone else to do exactly that, Gloria, and she was fabulous. Um, and I'm sure Sandra is fabulous at this too because I see her content and I'm like, yes, I love this. And some of that content you can get your hands on for free. She has a free guide, The Secrets to Provide Five-Star Service Regardless of Your Industry. So you can grab that. You can also schedule a strategy call with her at the link in her Instagram bio, which is at Sandra Bonick, and that'll be in the show notes, Z-A-N-D-R-A-B-O-N-I-C-K. All right, let's get into the conversation with Sandra. Zandra, I am so excited for this conversation. Thanks for coming on the pod today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really love your podcast. This is something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. So you're actually from Sweden, right? 
and Hence like the accent yes <laughs> <laughs> like small town sweden like for those of us who really don't know anything about swedish geography but like maybe we know of stockholm or some of the other bigger cities like paint the picture of what your sort of swedish upbringing looked like oh my god and first of all good job on stockholm because i think half of the people thinks it's switzerland so <laughs> No, I grew up in a very small town. It's actually an island, but I mean, an island with a bridge, right? It was that type of school, like everyone knows each other's names. I remember mm -hmm. when I got older, I went to the bank once and because I had some questions about my bank account and I was like, oh, I don't have an ID on me. She was just like, don't worry. I opened the account when you were born and I know your mom. I was like, okay. <laughs> you couldn't take a driver's license in our town because we only had one roundabout and one stoplight. Wow. Yeah, I had my own horse. I mean, it was very like... And like, how big was your, your class at school or your whole school growing up? So we were about 20 people, I think, in every class. So wow. like 60, 60 in every year, maybe 60, yeah, 70 in every year. That's wild. Very cool. So, so that was just like your life. And it sounds like most people who grew up there kind of stay, right? Oh yeah, my mom grew up there. My mom actually had me when she was 17. Wow. So she was a teen. Yeah, I was like, I didn't have my life together at 17. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think she actually had been like a slightly larger city at the time, but then she moved back and it was really like that everyone, my mom were friends with her friends from when she went to school, you know, really that type of environment. So people get very surprised because I was like, I want to see the world and everyone like in school pet my head and be like, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> good funny. luck with that and like what do you think that even came from like was it something just sort of about your personality or did you see some show or some movie and you're like i'm gonna go and live that kind of life oh good question i don't know like my brother he's still like i love the countryside and he can't live further away than half an hour from my mom so i i genuinely don't know i did watch a lot of american shows Mm -hmm. I always wanted to go like have the American college life, which my husband tells me it's not like the movies. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not as much fun, just so you know. But it was just something inside me that I was like, I want to see more than this. I want to do more. And I really don't know what it came from. The first time I lived abroad, I came home and I told my mom because a friend of mine, she was going to do a semester in LA. And I was like, that sounds fun. And I told my mom, I want to do that too. And she was like, okay, why not? And I come home and I had booked the tickets like a week later. And she was like, what? And she, she told me afterwards, she's like, I thought you were joking. I never thought that would happen. Yeah. And did you learn English growing up? Like did most people at your, in your kind of hometown where they raised learning English or was that something that you committed to on your own? You just start where you started. I think it's earlier now in fourth grade, everyone does it in Sweden. Um, but honestly, I'm a lot of American TV shows. I think Friends yeah. taught me the most <laughs> English, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just always so impressed with with people who are bilingual or multilingual because it's you know you, you know kind of the classic American ignorance around like oh there's people with their accents and it's like yeah that means that they know at least two languages. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Americans are a lot nicer. When I lived in England, I found my English got way more criticized than here. Here really? people are more like, ooh, where are you from? And they find it yeah. fun here. They're like, exotic. 
Yeah, exactly. Here they find it more interesting. But in England, after a while, I was like, you know, that's because this is my second language, right? And they're like, yeah, oh, yeah so God. <laughs> That's so funny. And and you also spent time in Spain, right? What was, what was the kind of, did you come to the US first? Did you go to Spain first? Okay, so I did a semester in, uh, in LA. A part of me wanted to stay, but I had already decided I wanted to study hospitality management, which was kind of random because I studied natural science in high school. In Sweden, you kind of need to apply for, and it's a high school is kind of like a whole course. But I was, I was always good with numbers, but I also worked in a casino before, and that's how I got into hospitality management. And in Europe, the best school is are in Switzerland or Spain, and it was just I wanted the weather in Spain, to be honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair. So then I started at hospitality management there. I did in-trainings in London and Iceland, and so that's kind of like the order. Then I ended up in London again before I moved here. Cool. And were you working like all levels of hospitality or were you like five-star hotels, which I know is like very intense? Mostly five-star, some of them four-star because my that's kind of just how my school was. It was very yeah. like, strict, traditional very cool. hospitality. And then I was lucky enough that a five-star hotel in London gave me a finance graduate program and that's how it started. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I know that there's ways that you obviously bring your hospitality experience into the work that you do with entrepreneurs around their their profit strategy and all of that, which I think is so cool. I think a few years ago, I heard this from um, a relationship coach who had previously worked in hospitality and she's like we're doing five-star marriage here like you know <laughs> this is right and it's like there's so much because to me what is so cool about that kind of four or five star thing is like every detail is considered right and there's so much that any person in business and frankly yes also in our personal relationships that we can benefit from bringing like that attention to detail in oh for sure and i think so first of all you most people think five-star hotels are the most profitable they aren't normally it's two three-star actually because the service is like the most expensive part mm. but most of the things so yes i have worked for some really nice hotels and you know, it's the food, it's the small things, it's the details in the room, sure. But what most people walk away with, it's the experience from the other staff. Ooh. That is what most people walk away with. And that doesn't cost anything. Like, it's like people's, you know, the connection they make, that they feel comfortable, that they know we can be a bit stocky online too with preferences and stuff. Like, you, people have left like, oh, this is a picture of your dog in the room and stuff like that. But a lot of it is not, it's really like consideration. And one of the most interesting thing I found, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs and don't get me wrong, I'm not immune against this. You're scared of getting complaints, right? You're like, oh, did I offer enough? Did I, was this good enough? And what if someone complains and they feel almost, because it feels very personal. Someone is like sharing a part of them. Yeah. The thing is, what I learned in hotels is that actually if a customer complains or guest, we call them in hotels, and you resolve that matter in a way that is satisfactory, they are more likely to recommend you and come back than someone who didn't have a complaint. That's so cool. 
because it is really like they if you if they feel listened to because sometimes we all miss something or whatever but yeah that personal touch and really like resolving the issue they were more likely to recommend which i thought was crazy that's so cool and and if you don't resolve it well you might end up dead like in season one of white lotus <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if yes. you saw that, but like, talk about a, a, a great sort of um, hyperbole of the customer to service person experience. <laughs> oh, and that being said, I don't think the customer is always right. You know, that, sure. That, you great know? point. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But a lot of it is just clear communication, like setting expectations and listening. That is like the biggest one of the trainings because we have tons of trainings one of them said let them finish talking like even if mm. they have a rant at you let them finish talking because after a while they're gonna sigh because they don't have any more to give right they're gonna be like then then you can say something yeah, yeah. And it really does. I mean, I can think of even, you know, they're, they're doing all that training, of course, these days to all of the people working all over the world on these customer support lines. And you can tell when some of them have been trained well, right? Because they, they oh, yeah. will provide that space. And, and sometimes the validating feels like very robotic and empty, but other times mm -hmm. it feels really genuine. Oh, yeah, that is very important that it's genuine because, yeah, we have all been like, yeah, I'm really sorry for this. So sorry, like, oh, that was not. your experience. I'm here <laughs> <Yeah>. to help. <laughs> and it's not necessarily their fault, but it's sure. just like, yeah, the training or whatever. So you're going to notice in five star hotels also using someone's name a lot. It makes them feel seen. And there are a lot of small tricks that is genuinely. And I had a whole presentation about that once because. I was leading the whole finance team in one of the hotels and they told me with two days notice, have a presentation for the entire hotel to motivate them. It must be about finance, but don't present any numbers. And I was like, <laughs> you're like challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so I did talk about how good customer service is actually leading to profit, but yeah. I was like, stumped. I was like, what do you mean? I can't share numbers. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> That's but, great. But that was actually, probably one of my best presentations because I get really challenged. And as far as the finance side of it, like, is that what you studied specifically in your program? Or did you sort of just like find yourself there once you were in the hospitality industry? I didn't. I studied hospitality as a whole. So the thing was, in high school, I thought I was going to become an engineer. I was always mm -hmm. very good with numbers. I actually have dyslexia. So languages does actually take longer for me to learn but numbers just came very easy for me i worked in casinos which is also a lot of counting i was a croupier then i went to hospitality and i'm gonna be honest i love eating the kitchen part not my thing the <laughs> the the head chef in my school said sandra i'm happy you have other talents so <laughs> i was just better at the economics the finance and then i was lucky very few hotel opens graduate programs for finance but i was lucky to get in one where they literally taught me everything that's amazing so, yeah so, so then lucky. you you were in that sort of corporate hospitality world leading finance teams and and then what what changed that now you're here doing this i have to say a lot of people come out of corporate and they're not happy i loved a lot of things about hotel yeah. great people great 
I mean, I had some great bosses, some not so great. I think sure. they all been there. But I still have one that, you know, I went back to London last month and we met up. And then COVID happened. I was living in the Bay Area at the time. And I don't know how the rest of US was, but the Bay Area shut down. I was working in one of the hotels in city center, like San Francisco, it closed. I first got furloughed, then laid off. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And since I'm a foreigner, like I actually was on my way to get my green card. So it was Hmm. just so people know, like it took longer during COVID. So I couldn't work for a while. And I felt really lost, to be honest, Mm. it was hard. And like an identity, I was like, that is what I've done. I don't know what to do now. And then I started working for an entrepreneur and helping him with HR and finance. Because also when you work in a hotel and you're a manager, like they teach you a lot, like fine, like HR stuff, how to treat like with your team and rules and mm-hmm. stuff. California has very complex ones. And I was just like, oh, I can teach other people this and I can help them. And don't get me wrong. I still love hotels. Like I always get like, good feeling when you walk into a nice hotel it's just special but to help entrepreneurs that that's their passion and most people don't start their passion because they want to be good with finances right they want the money but like they don't want to it's like a lot right you're like i'm good at this and i need to learn how to market i also need to be on top of my finances and i need to run the business it's just very overwhelming and i love to help people see that it's possible because i do think a CEO, any CEO needs to know enough about numbers, but not everything. They just need to like streamline it, feel comfortable so they know what to look for. And I don't know. I, I just think it's a lot of fun. I love I love when it clicks for people. You know that moment they're like, oh, this is how you need to look at it. And I'm like, yeah, it's not harder than this. And I'm like, no, this yeah. is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, right. I was telling you before we push record that I recently worked with a financial strategist because I I didn't know that you also did that. But it's uh, the moment for me when <laughs> and it's like embarrassing to say this now, but like the moment that it clicked was like, wait a minute, profit is not a dirty word. Like, mm. you know, I'm sort of in this like, you know, generation of anti-capitalist like let's heal the world kind of stuff which you know i i do hold a lot of those values and when i wasn't looking at profit correctly i was like putting my whole company at risk you know it's like we can't be a healthy employer if we're not profitable and so you know the person i worked with helped me kind of like really solidify that and it was huge and like so many people have you know similar challenges to that or they just are completely overwhelmed by it and you know just having the support of someone like you to come in and be like okay i'm gonna learn all of the nitty-gritty of the what your specific situation is and then we're gonna go by, step by step and help you really understand it it's just a game changer no it's so important and that is like a thing like you said profit is not a dirty word i might steal that because it, it it's true i also been like that i'm like oh but if it's if it's something you do have the you know from your heart like should you have been charged but it's more like if the company or you aren't it's not sustainable you can't help anyone you just yeah. can't it's it's nowhere to go right it's the same with your energy or taking care of yourself or whatever it is and you want to be able to help as many as possible the more money you make the more people you can actually help yeah 
which is a very and there was one uh woman uh she was which i thought was amazing she was doing personalized like clothes for kids like birthday parties and stuff they send in like their favorite and measurements and she did everything and i was like oh my god this is amazing and she's like i really can't charge more and i ran the numbers and i was like you know you make five dollars an hour right and she was like what and i was like yeah is that sustainable for you you know that's not even minimum wage and she was like i didn't realize a lot of people look at it from i don't know if someone can pay it while sometimes you need to look at it from is this sustainable for me right what do i need to charge to make this work for me yes yep yeah mm. so you were working for an entrepreneur in that kind of in between time and then you had a baby yeah yes last year i had my first baby not my okay so this is something people don't tell you because i feel like everyone tells you how amazing it is <laughs> i did not like being pregnant yeah <laughs> that yeah. was just like i had gestational diabetes which i didn't know what was a thing uh, right uh with insulin and everything and i did not <laughs> i'm gonna be honest every time i tell that people get a, many people get like offended and i was like i just didn't like it i love myself yeah you're like, like one star it? don't recommend no. I, I only enjoy having been <laughs> pregnant and now having a baby <laughs> exactly that part not so much but yeah so i had my baby in july last year he's doing great actually Good. my birth was my birth wasn't bad so Good. That was, <laughs> so a lot of people have those horror stories i know yep it was pretty nice drugs helps i'm not opposed to drugs but yeah and after that what happened it really changed my perspective was i got really sick postpartum and it was i hope i'm not going to get emotional but yeah. <laughs> um so i couldn't breastfeed and i got something called mastitis but they I actually just got worse and worse. And when I was about two weeks postpartum, actually my Apple Watch told me your resting heartbeat is like 135. Wow. And so it warns you like, and it doesn't look like you're moving. So if it's over 120, it actually warns you that it looks like you're not doing well. Yeah. And uh, eventually me at home with a two weeks old baby, I was like, maybe if I just drink some water, <laughs> no. no no that didn't solve it <laughs> and I was like and then I look at my husband that is exhausted because you are after the first two weeks mm -hmm. and I was like maybe and my, my mom was like you should go to the emergency room and my husband was like if you have to I guess <laughs> because he needed to be alone with the baby and when I got in they took me in straight away and I was like straight away and they're like yeah you need to be seen straight away and they did all of these tests and they're like you might have a blood clot so we need to do an mri you also might you're starting to become septic wow and i was like so we need to so there was like a lot of doctors a lot of tests and i was just i don't know i, I was just like i don't know what to do now and it wasn't but they also started giving me like strong antibiotic when i got out i still didn't become 100 percent better so and my doctor so she sent me to a specialist and then she told me because this had started during my pregnancy she's like i didn't want to tell you but a few people that have seen you think it might be cancer and i was like what i like oh. i i you know and uh, so she sent me to a specialist and he was saying i don't think it is but i never seen this issue before yeah and 
and they took more tests and it was not until they do a biopsy and we got the result after a lot of different drugs, a lot of different tests, a lot of different, um, it I was septic and it had spread and became cellulitis, but it looked like a very, the same look actually. So all women out there, please shake your breast. Mm. Uh, it looked like um, inflammatory breast cancer, which is like super deadly. And I was, those six weeks before I found out what it was, was wow. like the most stressful time of my life. I think I was like newborn, you don't sleep and you're just like, I don't know where my health is going. But the good thing that came out and I had a bit of postpartum depression after that as well, was that you kind of, and I know it sounds dramatic, but it's almost like you feel like you get a second chance, you know, you're just yeah. like, I was like, that could have been true. It wasn't, thank God. Yeah. But how do I really want to live my life? What do I really want to do? Yeah. And it took a while because postpartum is tough. I don't feel like a lot enough people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why I want to share it sometimes because sure. I told a few of my friends, I was like, I didn't get the babies out, like sunshine is coming, you know, it's like, oh my God, all the pain is away. I never got that. Yeah. Uh, it took me a good six months to enjoy being a mom, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I, I think it's so important for people to talk about it it's just because it's gotten, you know, more awareness in recent years doesn't mean that it's, you know, to that point where like, it's just so well known and so normalized. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think every story to to normalize that and to, you know, it, express that support is available. And what you're feeling right now is very real. And also you may not always feel that way. Like you still may come through the other side of this, right? Like you have. Yeah. And when I said that to several friends, mine wasn't that bad. I was more like, I need to keep this baby alive, but it felt like a duty, you know, you're yeah. just like instincts, like I need to get it done and I would never hurt him. But it took me a good six months before I was like, oh, this is fun. I really enjoy being a mom. And I think that's important because I literally messaged my OB and I was like, is something wrong with me? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have this like moment that, oh, I can't be without him. And this is, right. you know. And she said, she sent a very thoughtful message and she's like, no, she's like, yeah. that's normal. Everyone's yep. journey is different. It's going to ebb and flow. She was very like, I was like, okay, but no one talks about this. <laughs> right. And it's also sad because like there, you know, there've got to be some cases where also women just don't feel like they truly have a choice. And so maybe mm -hmm. like, I'm like, if that were me in that position, I'm sure, I'm sure. Like, I like to believe that the chemicals would kick in. I would rally all of that, but it's not a path that I would choose. And so imagining myself in that position, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. What, what do I do now? <laughs> but for a lot of people, that's not the situation. It's just, this is a, a thing that the human body experiences that can very much be a normal part of the experience and you're going to come through the other side and yeah, you actually can very much enjoy it. Yeah. And I think it's the more moms that talk about it, I'm just like, and women in general, like I hear a lot of women without children and I got my son late in life. So I have felt that too, that it's almost getting shamed for them not having kids. Yeah. And I was just like, 
no, guys, whatever path you choose, if you want five kids, no kids, <laughs> only for kids, you know, like, I think women, it's hard enough as it is, we just need to support each other and, you know, show some grace. Yeah, absolutely. So at what point did you decide after, okay, you got the health stuff, like figured out it, you got the news that it wasn't the worst thing. And like, you have this sort of new lease on life. At what point after that, were you like, I think I'm going to start my own business? Pretty much straight away. It didn't take off though. Cause I thought yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to take over the world. And I tried to do it all. And still like recovering from it all yeah no i i always thought like i can do it all and then i it actually made me a little bit more depressed because it didn't move as quickly as i thought yep and i put two ambitious goals to be honest yeah i relate to that so much and <laughs> it's like especially it sounds like your history is similar to to mine is like oh if i work hard i can get the thing it'll happen mm -hmm. Right. And like with entrepreneurship, it's just very often like slower, less predictable, lots of like course correction. So learning how to stay in it, even with that discouragement has been so hard. And I'm, it's really cool to see that we're kind of in a similar process with that. And like, I think we're both kind of like, all right, it's, it's finally starting to happen. This is great. But one thing that I love too about your story is that I feel is similar with is it sounds like initially you were spending a lot sort of on the business, like getting coaching, joining programs, buying this and this and this and this. And I did a very similar thing. And, you know, I think it really talk about things that need to be normalized and spoken about is even with financial expertise like you still found yourself overspending in the business. And there's a lot of pressure, a lot of like really intense messaging. Mm -hmm. So I would just love for you to talk about that experience of kind of what you call those money leaks. Yes. So that I think was a part of it that I was like, I'm going to go all in. And there are some messaging out there. There is like, if you're all in it, you spend the money, you oh, yeah. find the money. And I was in a very vulnerable place and I'm not going to blame it on anyone. I'm just saying sure. where I was. And when I had spent the money, when I needed to tell my husband, I was like, I was in tears and I was oh. like, I've always been on top of my money. Like my mom was a single mom. Like we always needed to budget. I have never carried a balance on my credit card. You know, like it, for me, it felt like a failure. I felt, and it didn't move as quickly. And like I said, I thought, oh, if I hire these coaches and I come buy these programs, like it's going to happen. And then I realized, no, first of all, I think because I felt a bit lost in that moment, which a lot of people do early motherhood because you're trying to find like a new identity. Mm -hmm. It was like I almost thought someone else would have the answer. Spoiler alert, no one does. <laughs> like, Wait, they but this don't. person, their messaging, their marketing is like, maybe they really do have an answer for me. <laughs> and the answer is like your story. Like you can find, you know, oh, and I got so wound up. I was like, this person is like, do Facebook ads. You can make this much. That person 
is, oh, I hate Facebook ads. This is the way to go. Or group programs, no, only do one-to-one or do this. And I was like, so overwhelmed. I was like, what is the, it was like, I thought there was a right way. There is no right way. There there is your way. What's going to work for you. And what is the best? I think the best way for anyone, because you're going to find someone in almost anything, almost any niche, almost whatever route that is going to be successful. Yeah, I think it can be successful in so many ways, but that really messed with me. So yeah, so now I call them money leaks and I spent the last six months really hounding in on them and I've done some serious dance. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And I think like this is such an important point that um, there's something that you shared and I'm just going to read it and then talk about it for a second. But you talked about when you felt lost. You're like, I, I would think about like the wealthy woman, my future self, and to be able to make decisions from an empowered place and be able to think about possibilities instead of just the problems of the present. And I agree with that 100%. And I feel like what where it gets confusing and where some of the messaging can feel a little like predatory in the marketing world is when it's like, okay, well, your future self would spend $10,000 on this, even though your present self very much does not have that money, right? So it's like so tricky. And I know, you know, we, we share the same business coach and I just really appreciate, you know, she's, she feels very ethical to me and her messaging around all of that. And that's unfortunately just not the case everywhere, but it, it is, it's a fine balance because we do want to be making those decisions from an empowered place. And like, sometimes that requires betting on that future self and we've got to do it in a realistic grounded way so that we don't just like spend our way into oblivion oh yes that's so important and i agree so much with you regarding the predatory ways that some people are talking because it's almost like oh if you don't spend the money i guess you're not serious i guess you know and i'm like that has nothing to do with it and i mean some to do with it yes uh but nothing the way i think they are presenting it so when I started thinking about it, and like I said, yeah, they call it the wealthy woman, your future self, whatever. I think it's more about listening to your gut. It's more mm-hmm. about if I really felt empowered, if I was in a place where I didn't feel as lost as I am doing right now and get clear on. So how I normally teach or coach people, it's like, get very clear on your end goal. And this took me forever, by the way, so I'm not judging anyone because <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like get clear and you're like, oh, of course, but then it is still fussy, right? You're sure. like, what is really success? What is really, mm. and it's more like, if you were there, if you were feeling sure and you didn't do it from FOMO, right? That someone put these like things in your head. If you felt like, no, this is the support. It feels good to me. It Even if it maybe feels a bit stretchy, but it's also still, possible it comes from a gut yes not like a eh, I don't know maybe they are right like then you're still listening to someone else you're still listening to their message not your message yeah and there's like a different energy behind that Mm -hmm. sort of like frantic FOMO oh my god but if I don't get this now if I don't get it before the car closes I'm not gonna be successful versus like I trust that there are many ways that I could be successful, like you were saying before. Mm-hmm. And like, I've sat with this, I've reflected on it. I've looked at how does this compare with what the resources and support I already have. And 
this feels like an aligned, grounded decision. Exactly. And that's how, for me, the wealthy woman spends. She spends on herself, but she spends from it like, yes, this is in line with my goals. And that is actually also how I teach to close money leaks. I don't say, and I have a big like riff on this with my coffee, because that's something a lot of financial experts talks about that, you know, like the coffee. And mine is more like find what you want and then find like a way you can get there that still supports you financially. And a lot of things, when I started looking about my spendings, where I had spent, it wasn't, some of it was like doubled up. Well, these things kind of do the same thing. Do I really need both of them? Or, you know, that is more what I'm talking about that find out the support you really need. Of course, there's going to be a budget like of how much, but still like, okay. And like, look at your numbers because when you are in that frenetic when you feel that normally you don't look at your numbers at least i don't have you ever been there like i'm not going to look at my credit card to this month yeah. <laughs> you know like i don't want to know what's on I'm there just, i kind of know what's there i don't want to see it <laughs> exactly and that's when you're like oh and then you get into that energy so mm-hmm. i think it's i don't think it's about a lot of people don't like the word budget or lowering spendings i see it more as purposeful spending like because mm-hmm. when you're spending with a purpose and i like to and i know you talk about it too like about the relationship to food and stuff it's it's kind of like that okay i had a bad day yesterday i'm just gonna be honest what did i eat not healthy mm. right you know i just did it what it's the same kind of with money like if you're not in an online place you spend tend to spend on stuff like have you ever gone into target and you're like oh how did i spend this 200 dollars and like am I even using it am I even enjoying it so I think a lot of it is more like about alignment like does it this feel good afterwards when I spend on this does it carry out is this something I'm it's the same when you're eating something right like does this feel good all the time not I stuff my face and then I feel bad and I see the same with spending it's more about is this aligned with where I want to go Right. And it's like mindful and intentional, right? Because I'm also a big like, you know, anti-diet kind of person. But at the same time, I would feel like shit if all I ate was play food all the time, right? If I was like, oh, well, because pizza and Oreos are not bad foods, I'm going to eat an entire pizza and an entire you know, box of Oreos, I would feel like shit because that would not be, I mean, first of all, there would be, there'd be physiologically reasons my body would be unhappy, but it would just, it wouldn't feel good. It wouldn't feel aligned. And it would be coming from like a not conscious, not intentional Mm -hmm. place. It would be coming from that more of that frantic energy, right? So anything that we're doing with that kind of frantic energy, that's not a conscious intentional choice we're always kind of we're rolling the dice going back to the casino yeah. <laughs> we really are and think about it it's the same with relationship or whatever when you're not in a good place like how are you coming i i don't i mean sometimes i need to you know apologize to my husband because like i had a bad day and maybe i was a bit short with him right yep. and it's the same with your money if you're coming from that it's a relationship it's a relationship with food it's a relationship with money and if it, you do it potentially and like really give it some love, so to speak, it it's just easier. It doesn't come from that place. And then it's actually fun. Okay. Cause I'm a number geek. I get excited. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I see that I can spend the money there and I get like excited. 
Yes, exactly. And and to not be scared to look at the numbers. That was one of the things that I've really benefited from both with like exploring the money mindset stuff and getting into the nitty gritty numbers in my business was like, I, yeah, please show me the numbers. I may not be a spreadsheet wizard like, you know, Gloria, my financial strategist, but I want to understand all the numbers and I want to not be afraid to look yes. at them in the face, right? I always say, and one of my old bosses said that, like the numbers tell a story. And that is kind of all I want, like, uh, business owner to be able to do yes. they don't they don't need to be a bookkeeper they're not a cpa that's right. fine but a bookkeeper and cpa can't necessarily tell your story you can mm, so true okay so sandra mm -hmm. tell the people especially if they're business owners i know that's kind of primarily who you're working with but where they can find you and what you've got going on and of course your links will be in the show notes too Yes, please come and see me on Instagram. That's where I'm starting to grow some community right now at Sandra Bonick, Sandra with a Z. And I'm right now releasing actually a private podcast piece on how you can close your money leaks where I'm giving a lot of where I, a lot of ways you can do it. And I'm actually sharing how I closed my money leaks as well. And I hope it's going to give some inspiration for you too. Amazing. I am definitely going to listen to it. So <laughs> I've got that linked in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. Thank you, Valerie. This was so much fun. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating to help other people find this podcast. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same with dots between the words. Also, make sure to sign up for my weekly tough love notes where I bring even more vulnerability and strategies to plug into your day to day. Look for that at badbitchtherapist.co. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and slay the hell out of this week.